It's a wiki how. Woo! You identify as a lesbian. I do. I thought we should talk about how to drop hints that you are a lesbian. <laughs> People can prepare <laughs> for news if you give them hints before you come out. It can also give you a solid indication of how they'll react. They'll have figured it out already and won't be too upset. Okay, thanks, Wiki How. Did a 12-year-old write that? Sorry to my 12-year-old fans here, but y'all don't have a fully formed prefrontal cortex yet. Did a 12-year-old write this? Then the next sentence, just to go off your 12-year-old, or maybe just naive about the world, this is also good if you don't want people to know you're a lesbian, but just want them to think you are. What? Why? (laughs) Why would you want that? Sometimes I want to identify as a lesbian without really being a lesbian. I just can't understand why you would want that. So, I- God, I will say, hold on, before we really yeah, get into this, please. I did say I was a lesbian before I had come out as trans. Maybe if someone is saying, hey, I'm a lesbian, and you're like, but you are masculine presenting, they may be trans and just trying to... uh tell you in other ways there you go it's dropping hints about all of your identities at in various ways so i put the uh, link in the chat because i just i I, you're gonna look at the first picture and you're gonna know immediately why i picked this one so step number (laughs) one is talk about lgbtq celebrities you could go for the classic i love ellen degeneres (laughs) no fuck ellen no she's terrible god Hey, and this was last updated in 2022. We already knew about Ellen's bullshit at that point. Hey, WikiHow. The other one is Kate McKinnon. (laughs) I'm not as offended by that one, but I wouldn't necessarily... that that one's fine. I don't identify Kate as a huge lesbian (laughs) icon, necessarily. Maybe she is. Yeah, like, why are you putting Kate McKinnon and Ellen DeGeneres together? That's really bad for Kate McKinnon. (laughs) Not gonna lie. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) Hey, these two equally (laughs) famous and great lesbians. No! But then the next one says, you could also mention musicians like Girl in Red, who we both are big fans of. Yeah, Girl in Red's great. And Haley Kiyoko, who I don't actually know, and now I feel like I need to listen to some music. I fucking love Haley Kiyoko. Oh, hell yeah. Okay, then I'm going to, because we love the same music, because we share the same brain. I do have to say, though, when I was in AmeriCorps, I was listening to Ashniko, one of our favorite artists in the entire world. I got to see Ashniko. Oh, I know. I'm so jealous. And one of my core members comes over to me and is, I didn't know you were fruity. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. It was because I was listening to Ashniko. (laughs) There are definitely some music styles and people out there who may be a <laughs> hey a subtle hint that you are lesbian just blare that ash nico and it's the siren song for lesbians <laughs> <laughs> all right oh my god number two dress in lgbtq items okay that's not that funny that- but here's the thing that i thought was interesting about this this will surely raise and then in brackets positive questions about your sexuality will it We've talked a lot about venturing outside of our little positive bubble (laughs) in our community and going to places outside of Duluth, Minnesota, where there are Confederate flags, which makes zero sense to me at all. I don't think that's going to be positively questioned by a lot of the world. Also, I'm sorry, but 
if you are in a place where it is LGBTQ plus friendly, you are not going to get questions about your sexuality. You're just going to be like, oh, that person's probably a really good ally. It's an ally. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. In in my community, we don't really (laughs) necessarily take a... If you're wearing a trans pride shirt, you're not necessarily we're not going to immediately be like, oh, you're trans. We're gonna say, right. hey, that's a really cool shirt. Yeah. I don't know who this is written for, but I don't think that does the thing that you think it does. One of the examples on here in the picture is a love is love shirt, which is like the out uh, that's the ultimate ally <laughs> shirt and sticker that you see. So again, it's like I if I saw that, I'd be like, Oh, you're such a great ally. That's cool that you have that. I would not say <laughs> that is that's a lesbian person. That's a lesbian right there. The next one is wear a plain thumb ring. Now, these are really interesting. Again, I think a lot of this is AI generated. It's the picture is just rings with no stones in the spot where there should be a stone. Is that significant in what where does no. this come from, Anna? That's uh, that just sounds terrible. Those <laughs> things already get caught on clothing all the time. They look uh, do you pokey. just want something Yeah, like a claw that you can just wear on your finger? Also, thumb rings? I this definitely was generated by AI because I don't. <laughs> I, in my time as a lesbian, I have seen very few thumb rings. I have seen a lot of bisexual women wear thumb rings. Lesbians have different ways of showing other lesbians that we're fruity. This is funny. I did look it up, and all that I could learn from Google was some thumb rings uh, symbolize strength, independence, and power. Okay, wealth. It's a yep. symbol of flaunting wealth. All right, and plutonic okay. friendships. Which I think is what we're trying to get away from if you're hinting to people. That that is the most Sappho and her friend. (laughs) Oh my god, that is the most Sappho and her friend thing ever. Oh my god. Don't worry, I'm only wearing this thumb ring because we're really good friends and roommates. That's it. (laughs) God. (laughs) All right, I think we can speed run the next couple here. Make a photo of a pride flag your wallpaper. Sure, but who sees your phone wallpaper? Oh, and then check your phone frequently and take it out. They're not going to think that you're lesbian. They're just going to think you're ignoring them if you're doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Also, is this to like, I swear one of these next ones is going to be go on a date with a woman. And it's going to be like, this <laughs> yeah. really will show people how. Have lesbian sex. It'll, <laughs> it'll totally let them know. <laughs> this one says, discuss the people or girls who appeal to you. Okay, uh, maybe you want your best friend to know you're lesbian. Did you see that girl in biology class sitting next to me? Wow, I could get lost in those stunning eyes. Okay, they're calling those discreet hints. That might not be as discreet as you think it is. I, I, oh, listen, I don't want to fall into the <laughs> trap of Sappho and friending, Sappho and her friending here. But also, I compliment women all the time because like, yes. women are pretty. I'm not going to be like, oh yeah, that girl in biology class, I could get lost in her stunning eyes. I want to fuck her. That's I don't not how this works. women all the time because I'm 40 now and it's creepy. So unless yeah, I know you... the person well enough, I try not to be the random creep who's, <laughs> hey, you've got stunning eyes. <laughs> so a couple tips oh my that they God. give us. Okay, one tip actually. Don't be too bold when you try these hints. Just act like these things are normal for you. Not like you're acting like you're trying to drop hints unless you specifically want someone to know. That was the most nonsensical that had nothing there was no information in that sentence yeah that that wasn't that wasn't a coherent sentence (laughs) (laughs) so there you go i'm glad that you finally know anna how to drop hints that you're lesbian so that hey cam have you looked at ellen DeGeneres recently she's (laughs) horrible but she's a really she's a really 
prominent lesbian icon. Lesbian icon. Oh, also, have you seen how hot Ash Nico is? <laughs> I have. I, I legitimately have. <laughs> I, I'm suddenly dropping hints that I'm a lesbian. Well, God. Now I know. <laughs> Hi, I'm Anna, a part of a transgender system. And I'm Cam, your dad. And this is The Transgenda, a podcast chronicling my transition. And a cisgender man learning how to support it. Anna, it's below zero today. And we've been pretty lucky. It's fucking cold. It's often below zero in our city, in northern Minnesota, but it only now this year is it beginning to get below zero, which is stressing some of us out. The sun is and still setting. it's really fucking cold. Before 5 p.m., so it's dark and it's cold. And also, I'm coming right off of therapy into recording today, which I usually try not to do because I get very emotional in therapy and it makes it harder to be funny here. So, hey, listen, never apologize for going to therapy. No. And all oh, of you no. fuckers who listen to this podcast, I love all of you. Go to fucking therapy. I swear to God, if you can afford it, if you can figure it out, go to therapy. It will help improve your life a million times. Go, go. Find resources, absolutely. So I think we talk a lot about the fact that people should go to therapy, that if they're feeling depressed or anxious or need any extra help, going to a doctor who might be able to prescribe you. Anna and I are both very openly on medication for our various brain ailments and and, uh, misalignments (laughs) of chemicals uh, that live in there. Our brain ailments. I don't know why I said that like uh, 1900s uh, snake oil salesman. This will solve all your brain ailments. (laughs) Hey, Charlie. (laughs) Charlie, are you looking for something to heal that brain ailment? I see you got there. I see those tears, Charlie. Charlie, why don't you come into my factory? We'll get you some brain ailments. It's just heroin, though. It's effective (laughs) for those brain ailments. (laughs) Temporarily. Heroin and cocaine. (laughs) Yes. And then the other thing that we always talk about, we talk about it all the time because it's extremely important, but the idea of supportive community, surrounding yourself with people that you can talk to, finding online community, all those things we have talked about at length. Today, what I want to talk about is like, what do we just do on a day-to-day, individual basis with the tools that we have, both having been in therapy for a long time and also just coping (laughs) with ourselves in the world? The answer is cry. Yep, I do that too. (laughs) And crying is completely okay, and it's okay regardless of your identity in this world of any kind. You should be able to cry. So what else do we do? That was a joke. To get through those mental health slumps. It was a joke, but it was real. (laughs) Yeah, it was was a little too real. If you felt called out by that, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to call you out. So what do I do? I do a couple of different things. I spend time with people who I love and care about. Friends, my partner, Cam, my siblings, hang out with those people. Deep breathing has often been pretty good for me. As we're going to get to a little bit later, dissociation is very good for me <laughs> in yeah. particular. That kind of helps reset. Are you but able overall, to... I would say... This is a question I have. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. I'm fairly unfamiliar with dissociation, mm-hmm. and maybe we'll talk about this more later, but maybe this is a good time to just say, is that something you can actively do? You know, can you trigger disassociation in a way that is positive to experience when you're feeling slumpy or anxious? It's not so much, I don't have like a switch that I can flip to be like, dissociation time. (laughs) 
it's more like understanding what triggers I have and being able to start implementing those in healthier ways. For example, like loud noises or overstimulation are often ways that I can start to dissociate. And so if I'm noticing that I'm in that point, I can either lean into it a little more if I want to dissociate and go away, or I can start to reduce those triggers and try and stay present and stay calm and, you know, be here. I can't necessarily be like, time to dissociate. You know? <laughs> no, that makes sense. I was just curious, <laughs> it, like where yeah. that, that's, that's not something that I experience <laughs> as much as a lot of our friend group and people around us do. So that's, you said something there. And that's one thing that you and I have practiced maybe on and off over the years is mindfulness. And in that, it was yes. a little fatty for a little bit there, like something that, you know, oh, you'll solve all your problems with mindfulness. I do believe in it. I think it's a helpful tool. But my therapist today was like, hey, Cam, we're mindful all the time. Like when you make a choice. Yeah. And you're cognitively thinking about it. That's mindfulness. It's how you act upon that or make a choice. That's the part that you need to be more rigorous about. And I'm like, oh, that was really good learning for me. Because often when I use the word mindfulness, I'm talking about meditative practices mindfulness yoga, mindfulness meditation, and not we can do that every moment of our day if we really put more thought and energy into the things that we do, which can help us make choices that reduce our depression and anxiety. Yes, mindfulness is really important. And I think it's an effective tool that pretty much everybody can use and does use in their everyday life. I'm really glad that your therapist brought up that we're doing it all the time because the fad for a while was you have to do this all the time yeah. to get see any benefit. Carve out 40 minutes you of are. your day and here's the specific intentions that you should put in the universe. And that totally works for a lot of people and there's a lot of science behind that. But as far as I'm already anxious and depressed and you want me to carve 40 minutes out of my day to do this one specific task, I can barely get myself to do my dishes right now. <laughs> That, that yeah, might be like, the win for the day. I can barely drag myself to the shower. What yep. do you mean, carve up 40 minutes? Yeah, I think something that a lot of people that are not me benefit from is journaling. Yeah. I cannot journal. I hate writing. It takes so much brain power. And when I'm already anxious and depressed and whatever, I don't have that brain power. But a lot of people do see a lot of benefit from journaling. And Cam, I think you have in the past had some experience with journaling. I'm curious on how that has gone for you. Yeah, it's not traditional journaling. I think a lot of people think about journals and diaries as like side by side. And it's just you need to sit and like conscious flow, just write out how your day was. It was actually a tool that a path therapist that I talked about. I actually just <laughs> i basically turned my journal into a spreadsheet so i'm tracking oh make columns for things that i'm trying to track i have a little spot for just like really short notes i'm on the flip side i love writing but my jobs all revolve around writing every single moment of the day <laughs> yeah. and so it's really hard for me to feel like i want to sit down and write just for myself. It's more of a tracking tool. So I can look back at a couple days ago and be like, hey, I really spiked in anxiety that day. Like, what did I eat that day? What did I drink that day? What did I... Things happened to me during the day that caused me to feel a certain way. And there isn't always a correlation between those things, but sometimes there are that I need to be like, oh, wow, I literally didn't eat that day. <laughs> and this is not an uncommon thing yeah. for me because I yeah. live in uh, an anxiety-driven uh, life. And so that I need to be like, okay, what am I going to do for myself in order to set up systems that make it easier for me to put things in my body so, <laughs> so that I can function at more of an 80% level is more of where I'm trying to function right now. <laughs> Mental health is incredibly important. 
And something that we have always been major advocates of is finding your own support tools. And we talked about a couple of things, but I think one of the things that we don't often mention that is so critically important is being able to recognize those triggers. Cam, you were talking about that spreadsheet, and I really like that idea. I may actually start implementing that myself because it's a really good idea. But I think that kind of draws to the idea of what are triggers and how do they play a role in your own mental health? And Kim, I'm I'm curious to hear yeah. what you have to say. Yeah. I think I think they they're so different for everybody. What those triggers look like are often ingrained in us throughout our entire life based on our behaviors and our traumas and the various ways that we encounter the world. For me, it's as much about recognizing triggers, like you were saying, when I'm realizing now that I get far more anxious and unable to cope in loud spaces as well. And that was something I didn't really realize that was making it hard for me. But more, it's a set of behaviors that I tend to just do based on a set of things that happens. Why wouldn't I necessarily remember to eat during a day? It's because I sat down at my computer at 9am and I started working and I didn't build break time. And so it's for me equal an occurrence that triggers, but then also like I'm in a certain set of behaviors that also triggers then the thing that I don't want to be doing, which is forgetting to eat or forgetting to take care of some responsibility or that sort of thing. And for you, though, I think there are more on the immediate react triggers that occur in your life that I've witnessed. There are a number of triggers that I have for myself. Some of the strongest ones for me are like loud noises. Certain smells can be super triggering for me. Oh, God. Velvet. (laughs) That's a whole nother topic. If you ever see me in public and you're wearing velvet, just know I am not keeping my distance from you out of a I dislike you. It is... I cannot stand velvet, and the thought of it makes me literally want to throw up on you. One time we joked about designing a haunted house that's just for Anna, and it would force her to crawl through velvet, and then there would just be speakers, and they'd be making me make this certain noise, and I'd say scritch, scritch, scritch in a certain way that really bothers her. This is not... Okay, listen. This used to be really way funnier, because it used to be like, we didn't understand that sensory issues and stuff were a problem, and now I'm realizing that what it actually was me just being really autistic and sensory overload 100 and also taught me that too like we were able to make fun of it because we were learning and now we know that it's still funny but also it's a reality that these things do force us to not then be able to cope with normal behaviors whatever those are but like things that we want to be doing can be derailed by these kinds of triggers yeah so i think that Talking about triggers and talking specifically about like my triggers and stuff is a good segue into our main topic, which I think will actually end up being about equal to our opening topic. We are in season three. Cam, can you believe it? I can't. (laughs) Woo! Hey, thanks to everybody for listening to get us here because we are just so proud to be continuing to produce this. And yeah. I'm happy. Our first our episode, episode of season three. three. I'm yes. so happy. And if you've noticed a couple of changes to our like intro and everything, that's because we are finally really diving into and talking about my identity as a system with the ID. It's been something that we have chatted about on and off for throughout season two, and there just wasn't really a good time to really address it. So we're doing it now. <laughs> 
<laughs> this is an appropriate time. We're making the leap. You're still going to see a lot of our marketing say Anna and Cam because that makes sense. But what does this whole system yeah, thing so mean, Anna? DID, Dissociative Identity Disorder, it used to be known as Multiple Personality Disorder. That is bad triggering word for a lot of systems nowadays. And then I also want to add into their OSDD, which is Otherwise Specified Dissociative Disorder, because those people can often also have systems in their system space. What is DID? It is a childhood-developed response to trauma. I think I've been fairly open in the podcast about my experiences with abuse and the horrible things that I have suffered as a child into my young adulthood. Thankfully, I'm finally at a better spot in my life. I am more stable and everything. But that led to interesting, I should say, coping mechanisms. The main one of which is called DID, where I developed a way to break up and forget things, break up memories and forget them by putting them into other people that exist in my brain. Is Let me preface all of this by saying I'm not an expert in this. I'm just talking from my own experience and... I'm not going to be able to speak very eloquently if you are a professional researcher of this. Don't at me. But even the experts that we have learned from have a hard time describing because even they're like we're having to describe for people <laughs> yeah. in a way that makes sense to your general population, but also reflects what's actually going on inside of your brain. And I don't think that there's a perfect way to uh, color that. For, this is a good way of putting it for my trans folks out there. It's like trying to describe gender dysphoria to a cis person. There's not a good way to do it. And for my cis people who are maybe queer or something, it's like trying to describe what being queer is to a straight person. There are ways that you can go about saying it, but it's not necessarily going to be exactly the experience that you are having. For me, I I am a single part of a broader system of people. I think that I am okay saying that I am the apparently normal parts or the piece of the person. What? <laughs> Cam laughed a little bit. No, I just, I know. again, that word normal, it's so hard it's so for us hard. because that's the term that people recognize. So the apparently but... normal parts is the person at the core of the system, like the person who the system developed from. The person that I feel most recognizable having lived my entire life with you. That's the one that yes. has been the most core. Then we have a couple of other alters who exist on like the closer outskirts, I would say. And those are people who I would consider as co-fronters, people who come out fairly regularly, who do important tasks. And I'm sure they will want to introduce themselves and you will meet them throughout the course of this podcast and everything. But a couple of notable mentions. One is Lily. She is probably the most co-host of <laughs> she is probably a third co-host of this podcast if i'm being honest she has been here for a lot of episodes i <laughs> would agree <laughs> but yeah i'll let her introduce herself at a later time and date but what you guys should all know is that it won't always be anna who's speaking to you at this microphone you may hear different voices you may hear different inflections different ways of saying words um and what i just ask of all of you our listeners and cam is be open to that be open to this change be accepting and don't freak out if it's like i'm introducing myself or what you perceive as myself as someone who isn't anna necessarily because they aren't anna they may inhibit the same body but we are not the same and for listeners who don't have experience with the ID, which I think is a lot of people in the world, you're gonna get to listen to me 
I figured this out live um, because it's still something that Anna and I are working together on to get me better up to speed on where my support can come from and, and how to recognize the various identities that are part of the system. And I think that's a really cool thing for our audience to to experience. And one other piece of this is our intention is not to talk about DID as yes. like a primary topic moving forward, but to recognize it as part of a larger picture and potentially have on a spin-off another resource for folks to be able to learn more about DID as well. So if you're here to learn about trans and queer topics, that's totally okay. We're not changing this into a DIT podcast, but we want to say that if we're going to embrace intersectionality, we need to be really upfront about those intersections and our own identities here. I don't want to compare coming out with DID in this way to anything related to sexuality or anything, but think of it as learning more about us. Like when Cam came out as Pan or when every day you hear, not every day, I hope you don't listen to our podcast every day. That sounds like a lot for every day. Listen. No, please. (laughs) We need the listens. (laughs) Listen to it every, put it on the background. It's great. (laughs) No, I love that you love our podcast. It just take breaks. At least take a second. Every, I'm looking at all of you today. Take a drink of water right now. Drink that water. Mm, drink that water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is becoming a meme that we have really fallen into. The last three episodes, we reminded people it's to important. drink water. So hydration is it's our important. new thing. <laughs> no, like this is just another piece of who I am. And sticking to that idea of sticking to our trans and queer background, I want to talk about trans systems. Cam, I'm curious, you know a bit more about systems now than you did, I would say, probably six months ago. How much do you know about systems and who develops out of them? Yeah. So here's the absolute layman and needs fine-tuning and correction, but this is where the talk about physicality and biology is very different than what we talk about our personalities and our sexualities and our gender. And that's the differentiation that I can see, and again, just really plainly, that then can be split up into each of these various personalities and whether they're trans or not, or whether they experience the world in a different way or not. And that's yeah, what no. I've got. That was pretty good, (laughs) yeah. A lot of the individual alters themselves have their own gender identities, their own sexual identities, and they, again, will probably want to talk more about that themselves. But something that's really important to recognize is that a lot of systems, especially ones that I know personally, identify as trans. And not to say that every system is going to identify as trans or will want to transition or anything like that. Quite a number who I know identify as trans in some way or another. And I think that really comes down to the apparently normal parts and who is the host of the system, the person who inhabits the fronting position most often. And a piece of that also comes down to alters oftentimes can be their own gender and experience and everything. I have plenty of cisgender men in my system. It is wild. I will tell you that much to be co-fronting with them because I'm like, oh God, this is everything I hate about <laughs> myself. Um, <laughs> How do we mentally take this one back <laughs> out back and put it out of its misery? But also it speaks more highly to you're all the yes. parts of all the things. We all are all the parts of all the things. You don't have to experience DID to understand that everything about our identities are on a spectrum. All of the things that we experience in society live within us. It's just for you. They have their own ability to front. Yes, they have their own voices. They have their own experiences. They have their own memories. A piece of the idea is forgetting those traumatic memories. And in part of that, these alters develop their own memory systems. They have their own 
memories and pieces and abilities. And as I have gotten better at learning about my other alters and everything, we have gotten better at memory sharing. For example, if someone else is fronting and controlling the body, living out my daily life and whatever, oftentimes when I come back, I'll be able to remember some of that. But sometimes I won't be able to. And time loss and memory loss are very common in DID, and they are just a piece of the coping mechanism. Or they may get it in a different way of, oh, I feel this dysphoria about my body, but I don't really get what the transness is part of this. Just be aware of that, too, when you're talking with people and learning more about them. I love opening this up to our audience, and and I'm excited to learn more with and from you as we continue to welcome alters to the table here who have already, I know this because I've over the last few years to recognize the differences in alters more. I know I've co-hosted with not Anna <laughs> more than once before. And that's just going to be part of something that we're normalizing as opposed to just like, ah, everybody act like it's okay. Because Anna has to live her life often just yes. acting like everything's okay. And that the core is fronting all the time and these alters can mask and just be... Yes. Anna all the time. And what we want to train people to do is to think a little differently about how that actually yes. exists in the real world. Before we move on to the closing of our podcast here, there is one more thing that I want to make sure that's just housekeeping that we get out of the way. Anna, me, the person, the personality, the alter, whatever phrasing you want to use. I'm still Anna. I use Anna. I use Fayfair and she, her pronouns. That's all good. Every single alter, I have encouraged them and I will continue to encourage them to use their own name and to use their own pronouns and to introduce themselves as that. But if you're talking about the system as a whole, and not just me in particular, if you're talking about all of us as the system, we actually prefer to go by Raven, and we use they, them, plural, and Fayfair pronouns. So if you're talking in, I don't know if we have an online presence if we're in the forms yet, but if you're talking about us, the whole system, please try and use Raven and they, them, plural, and Fayfair pronouns for us. Oh, I'm so excited to share this with you all. No, this is really exciting. It's a euphoric moment for you, just the euphoria that I think we can share next. Yeah, from this one is what from April. Got? Not the month, yeah. Not the month, but the I person. hope April the month experiences euphoria, but I don't think that if the month <laughs> April is emailing us, I would be slightly confused about science. Yeah, no, that would be a surprise. So this is from April, the person. <laughs> I would like to say a euphoric moment for me. It was when my parents let me wear a skirt and thigh highs at dinner for the first time a couple of days ago. I just felt good to be with them wearing it and being myself. I'm so happy. Skirt goes spinny. Thigh highs feel good. Yeah. It's so good. I'm so happy for you, April. Having those opportunities to be public and having your parents be supportive of being public in your identity is something that's not available to all people. And I'm really excited for you. That is something that, that you've been able to experience. That's really cool. To all my trans femmes out there, skirt go spinny, thigh high feel good. That's my piece for you. <laughs> if you have questions about transitioning or supporting someone who is transitioning and you'd like us to talk about it on the show, please shoot an email to questions at transgendapod.com, click the chat with us button on our website, or DM us on social media. Hey, speaking of social media, Woo! check out our new ad video produced by Story North Productions. And thank you to the P Fund Foundation for making that possible. That is on our social medias right now. So check it out. It's so good, y'all. Oh, it's so good. If you'd like to support the show, you can become a patron on our Patreon. Like Alexis, a new Backstage Pass level patron. Thank you so much for supporting us. And 
As always, be sure to check out our episode description for links to resources on today's topics. We'll link something about DID in there, and we'll also link that wiki house so you can laugh along with us reading about how to subtly come out of lesbian. You gotta check out those pictures. And don't forget, we now offer shout-outs. If you want to promote your business, say happy birthday to a friend, or share just about anything with the transgender listeners, just hit the shout-out link on our website to learn more. And thanks for listening. I've been Cam. I've been Anna. And this has been The Transgender. Love you all, except the bigots. 